Okay, so you know how sometimes there are questions that you have that you kind of wait too long to ask and then you get too embarrassed so you just end up just like living in ignorance. For example, everyone's like, oh, it's so important to wash your ass in the shower. Like everyone needs to wash their ass. Like obviously I know that and obviously I know how to wash my ass, but it's like, it's like, for people who don't know, it's like you'd think, oh, it's just easy to wash your ass. But if you wash your ass and then wash the rest of your body, then like ass is all of your body. So then you're like, OK, then I'll wash my ass last. But then if you wash your ass last, it's like then then ass is all of that washcloth. So when you use it the next day, it's like you're just washing your body with ass again. So and then it's like, uh, do you do you just use a new washcloth every day or do you have just like a designated ass washcloth in the shower like, what's the answer to that? Like, this is the intro. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was just you know like an example question. Like, obviously, I knew the answers to that, but um, <laughs> the, the gen, the genuine, like, I genuinely feel like this is something that I have waited too long to ask. Uh, who is Sean Mendez? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, is he an actor? Is he a singer? Fuck if I know. I believe he's a singer. Um. <laughs> Do we like? Him? I think he's a singer. Uh, I don't. I don't know the man. I think okay. he's a singer, and I think he. This is gonna be funny if it's a different Sean. I think he won an Oscar, and okay. when he did his Oscar speech, he's like, "I'm so happy to be the first gay person to win an Oscar," and everybody <laughs> was like, <laughs> "The doors he has opened, this white man, lovely." And again, that could totally just not even be him. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I'll, I'm here to spread misinformation about Sean Mendes. That's what we do here. You're in great company. It's I feel totally like there's fun. another famous Sean. Hey, this is Nick just chiming in to say that the person that they're talking about is Sam Smith. <laughs> I feel like anytime I think of Sean Mendez, I just see Timothy Chalamet in my head. Like to me, they're the same person. He's giving me more vibes of Troy Sivan. Sivan, yeah. But yeah, darker haired. The That's the vibe I'm getting. What did you win an Oscar for, Sean? Oscars, Oscars, Oscars. He might not even have won that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he won an Oscar. <laughs> Who won that Oscar? I just feel like everyone keeps thirsting after this Sean Mendez person. And I, like, all I know about him is his name. And that's it. No, I, I'm not one of those people. I feel like he's got a song about, like, is he the one that's like, you watched me bleed until I kiss you? <laughs> 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 not a clue not a clue sorry uh, that's okay that's neither here nor there um welcome to welcome back to the pod courtney how are you today i'm i'm great i i need to get on your level of chaos <laughs> <laughs> i think i can be that person so just yes. <laughs> that was a yes. warm-up <laughs> <laughs> it is uh almost 11 where i am i just got off work so uh things are a little bit hectic in my head right now but um we're powering through it i'm very excited do you want to give some background into why? So you gave me two options. Uh, actually, rewind. You had the brilliant idea to mm. do like a book club kind of thing where we read a book and then watch the movie that was adapted from said book. Genius idea. Genius. You'd give me for us. Yes, yes. You'd given me two ideas. This is the year for me not watching trailers and kind of wanting to go into things blindly. Um, so I read like the briefest uh, synopsis for each of the two options that you gave me. And this one seemed to resonate more, I guess. But um, 
Do you want to talk about why you picked the two options that you provided? Absolutely. Um, I was really pleased that you were so on board with it. And then the the idea of like how much time we would have and everything too. Um, you gave me a page count, which was awesome because that was able to like help me narrow it down. I almost asked if you wanted to read Battle Royale. That's 600 pages. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then watch the movie. So um, also like thank you for bringing me down to earth sometimes because yeah, I could have I could have run with that. So the first one that um, was an option was Wild, uh, which is a memoir by Cheryl Strayed. And I, I love it. I adore that book. Um, and I just think that it would resonate with us because it's it was um, written later in her life, but taking place around the age that we are and going on a journey and all this stuff. And then, unfortunately, the director who made the adaptation, John Mark Vallee, I love him, but he recently passed away. So it was like a way to show you that piece of work. Um, you also love his Big Little Lies. Yes. And Sharp do. Objects, your favorite. <laughs> My fave. <laughs> Mine as well. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, that was an option, but then the other one was The Talented Mr. Ripley, which was a book I had read, but not a movie I had seen. This is like, I think very, very low or high, however you want to say it, on my Letterboxd watch list. Like, I put it on there when I made a Letterboxd account, so it's gotcha. buried at the bottom, but I'd never seen the movie. Um, and I'd read the book probably like five or six years ago, and I remember really liking it. It was interesting to read it again because I read it under the like impression of like, what is Jordan going to think about this, 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 and this, <laughs> which was problematic at first, but not as much as the movie. Like the movie gave me much more pause. Every freaking thing that happened in the movie, I was like, I wonder how Jordan's going to feel, <laughs> <laughs> which I, you know, I can't control that. I had never seen it before. So right, um, yeah, right. those were my two choices. I love Patricia Highsmith, who is the author, and I would love to know what your thoughts were on the book to start there. Um, what did you think of it? Was it enjoyable to you? Was it a slog? How'd you feel? It was not a slog. Something that we talk about uh, on our podcast, at least often, or I think I do mostly, is good media versus entertaining media. That is exactly how I would describe the movie. I think Daniel even said that yesterday. <laughs> it was very good. And in fact, like uh, after finished reading it, I, you know, doing some digging on the subject matter, I realized that Patricia Highsmith uh, wrote Strangers on a Train. Yes. Which was, I feel like that movie always comes up constantly and I still have not seen it. Um, but the book is now on its way to me. So she's oh, so certainly, happy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's met, she's had a big impact. Like I, I'm like used to her style of reading now or writing, I should say. Very, very good stuff. I wouldn't necessarily say to me that it was like entertaining. Like I can't ever say that I would like, this is something that I crave or I am ever in the mood for, but it has changed me. <laughs> like I am a different person because of all of this. So. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. It's she's definitely like a mood writer because she's writing in and about a time that we did not live through. And so I think it it is so comforting to like dive into these worlds that are 50 plus years removed from us more like 60 to 70 years removed for us yeah. and and I, I also like as I was reading it like just looking at it sometimes there will be like two giant pages with not a line of dialogue or not a little line break and yeah, I was like yeah. that can be that can be difficult at times like look at this monster um, <laughs> but I really like it because it, it is something that I kind of have to sit in and think about and they're all very meditative and it's really just about the psyche of the people in it and most of the people she writes about are terrible <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> it's awesome so strangers on a train you're gonna love I I absolutely adored that one and it was it was much more fast paced than the talented Mr. Ripley, but still same vibes. Awesome. I, yeah, I'm glad it's more fast paced. I feel like there were a lot of moments in uh talented Mr. Ripley where 
he was just, it was a lot of back and forth and a lot of like, I need to be at this place at this time. And I need to be this person at this time. And it like, it got a little bit confusing, but uh, it was still like not something that I was used to reading. It was very much um, uh, a deviation from my, my normal reading. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for introducing this to me. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. She's definitely someone who's, who's like body of work. I'm trying to make it through. Um, and I, I've read like three or four others besides this one. Uh, the first one I read was The Price of Salt, which is what Carol is based on. Okay. And that is beautiful. It is stunning and just like a discovery of sexuality and of love. And if you've seen Carol, so it's, it's like that in book form, but it is by no means thrilling or adventurous. It's very <laughs> slow and soft and smooth. But um, gotcha. no, this one, is, I'm so happy you got Strangers on Train. I was going to recommend that to you. 100%. Like I literally, after my research today, I was like, I saw it and I was like, shit, I need this. So I, you know, <laughs> ordered it and it will come tomorrow. So I'm very excited about that. Awesome. Um, have you read any of the other Tom Ripley books? I know there's, I think there's like five. There's five and no, but I did find the book two, Ripley Underground, in one of the little free libraries on one of my walks pretty recently. No way. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'll probably I'll probably get into that. And I was going to ask you, would you read more in this series, do you think? I think I'd have to give Strangers on a Train a try first to see if I'd go back to Tom Ripley. Um, but I'm not against it by any means. Like cool. if you read them and you enjoy them and think I would too, I'm on board hundred percent. I will absolutely let you know. I, I don't see myself watching the movies, but yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on that note, I also realized that this was maybe not a remake, but this was the second adaptation of this particular book. I think there was Oh, I didn't like know that. So there was like an older one? I think so. I want to say it came out in the sixties. Awesome. Yeah, in 1960, Wikipedia says a full-length film version was released titled Purple Noon. Oh, no, no, I know. I've heard about Purple Noon. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, which I'm only curious. Yeah, so having not known a lot about this book, I was I genuinely had no idea where it was going because it could have gone one of two ways. It was very, like, I really thought it was going to go the direction of, like, what is it called? Um, the gay one with Timothy Chalamet. Call me by Call your me name. Call me by your name. Yes. Oh, I mean, it's in Italy. <laughs> yeah, it's in Italy. They're on a boat. He's talking about like, he's like so angry. He's like, I don't, he's like taking off his shirt, I think at the same time. And he's like, it's hot. And I don't know whether to hit him or kiss him. And I'm like, I'm about to see these two men have sex on a boat. And this is great yeah. <laughs> because I know it's Jude Law and Matt Damon. So I'm like all on board. Uh, and then he picks up the oar and I was like, oh, we're going like the stranger route or like uh, he's a fucking sociopath. Um yeah, that was a bit of an awakening. It kind of <laughs> re-steered my expectations, I guess, for the rest of the book. I assume. I, I don't want to assume, but um, are you familiar with, have you read The Stranger by Albert Camus? Yeah. Yeah, the, I got very strong vibes from this. And I, oh. I, I don't know if <laughs> it's because I've been exclusively reading Stephen King before this and Stephen King spoon feeds you <laughs> every ounce of emotion and motivation for every single one of these characters, the, the murder kind of, I didn't see coming because he felt so apathetic toward everything. And I didn't really, I, I didn't really quite get why he was so, so eager to, to kill him and be so violent toward him. And maybe I'm just not good at like reading in between the lines yet. Um, but it reminded me of the stranger in that uh, he was like, apathetic to killing this man just like in the stranger uh where he was like i'm just really hot on this beach so i'm gonna shoot a guy <laughs> i i agree that it it does seem at first like tom 
is a very happy-go-lucky, go-with-the-flow kind of a guy yeah. um, who then, when something is taken away from him, it, it it spirals him into something else. It made me feel in reading and watching, I was like, I would have to know from the Ripley Underground and so forth in the series, like, did he kill before this? Because it seems like, yes, like, where are your parents? <laughs> very true, um, yeah. Because, it, I mean, especially with the movie, like, the movie, I thought it, it built it up much more because the movie just fully dove into, like, the homoerotic subtext, and it's not even subtext at that point. Right, Whereas right. in the book, he's being accused, for lack of a better word, of being gay, and he's you know, denying it. And then the next step is murder. But in this one, I kind of liked how uh, the Jude Law's Dickie was kind of taunting him on that boat and leading it into that. Um, and I also think he he did a better job in the movie of conveying just kind of how slimy he is from the get go, like the the whole Princeton jacket. And then yeah. the very next scene, he's calling himself Dickie Greenleaf. Like he just is, he's just on another level of sociopath. <laughs> sociopathy I'm not sure because I, yeah. I do get what you're saying from the book and I can't reflect and remember back to when I read it for the first time if the murder was a surprise to me I also think going in I knew there was murder mm -hmm. but I absolutely agree with that and I, I do like your your parallel to the stranger <laughs> yeah and I was validated even more this is probably like just a coincidence but as I was thinking that scene I was like oh this feels very much like the stranger after the part where uh, Tom takes Dickie to see the guy who's like, let's travel to Paris in a coffin or something like that. Oh yeah. Uh, and I think this is like, they have a big fight right after that. Uh, there's a line where it says, I'm okay. Tom said in a deep, quiet voice, I don't know what was the matter. It must've been the heat that got me for a minute. And I was <laughs> like, okay, uh, hold on. And that kind of solidified things for me. I was like, okay, even if it is coincidence, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm claiming that one, but, um, I really like it. Yeah, yeah. And then fast forward to him literally clubbing him with an oar. So did you um, have any other quotes from the book that you liked? Yes. Uh I actually wrote one down. Uh you go out of your way not to hurt people who are in love with you is one that like really stuck with me. I think Dickie said that. And then another one, which is just random, uh is a funny story about this. It says, thing is. I'm expecting somebody any minute. It's a business interview about a job. Believe oh. it or not, old believe it or not, Ripley is trying to yes. put himself to work. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, I I like audibly spoke out loud when I read that. And then I went and Googled, when did Ripley's believe it or not come to be a thing? Same thing. I did <laughs> awesome. the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, old Ripley's believe it or not might get a job. I was like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, for listeners, apparently Ripley's Believe It or Not came before this, so uh, this isn't really. I I was like, oh my god, that's where it comes from, but it, that's same. Not the case, I was so. I was disappointed it wasn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> I only wrote down one quote, and it is not as profound as your first one that you had. <laughs> Instead, it's just the quote that made me laugh out loud. It's uh, on page two hundred thirteen, so really close to the end of the book, and he's having dinner with Marge, and he's trying to convince her of what might have befallen Dickie and that it's a suicide, but Marge is talking and she says, I think it did, but oh no. Oh, I'm so terribly sorry, Tom, all over your wonderful tablecloth. Marge <laughs> had turned her motini over. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Marge went on protesting. Tom hated her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just the bluntness of Tom hated her. I was yep. like, yes. <laughs> no justice for clumsy bitches. It's so no. sad. <laughs> That's too funny. I will say that the movie, the di one of the differences between the book and the movie is that I remember, I knew that Gwyneth Paltrow played Marge. 
And I went into the movie full on expecting to like be as annoyed at her as Tom was in the book. And I wasn't like, she seemed much more severe in the book, I guess. Uh, But also she's, she's on Tom's side in the movie. Like she confides in him and shares kind of in his misery, how Dickie treats the two of them, Mm -hmm. but also she's Gwyneth Paltrow. So she's charming and beautiful and all these things. And, and it's also from the get go, him, and her, Dickie and Marge are together as opposed to like Tom thinking, oh, that's never going to happen. Definitely. This made me realize that there is a market for sociopaths in film. Uh, (laughs) A lot of movies came to mind, Nightcrawler, American Psycho. Um, The show, I don't remember. I think it might just be called The Murder of Gianni Versace, uh, but Ryan Murphy did it. Oh, American Crime Story. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and it reminded me of, I, I know that's based on a true story, but it reminded me of Andrew Cunanan, who was just like, just kind of going off and murdering people and trying to. Yeah, that yeah. story is wild how quickly it takes a turn and it just yeah. the, the spree he goes on in that one weekend. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that one was really effective in the same kind of way. But something like yeah. Nightcrawler, I absolutely love the comparison between Lou Bloom and uh, Tom Ripley. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think like. But also, and I don't know if she's considered a psychopath, but I also thought of I Care A Lot. But it's like, I think the difference is, and maybe it's just because they're men, but like, I didn't finish Nightcrawler falling in love with, did you say his name was Lou? It's been a while since I've seen him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't love him. Uh, I do not love Andrew Kunana, and I do not love uh, Patrick Bateman. Patrick Bateman? Yeah. American Psycho? Yeah. But you um, do love... Amy Elliott Dunn. I fucking love, like, <laughs> I love, Marla. Uh, yeah, Kate Blanchett just, maybe it's just her. Maybe I just love her. I don't know. Rosamund Pike. Um, no, uh, no, I care a lot. Rosamund Pike. No, no, <laughs> no, that's Kate Blanchett. Jordan, Kate Blanchett was in the talented Mr. Ripley. Rosamund oh, Pike is, is gone girl. And I care right. a lot. You are absolutely I know right. I am. Yes. <laughs> yes, you, you're like... more than allowed to love uh, Australian yes. actress Rosamund Pike. <laughs> I'm also kidding about that. She's British. Yeah, I was full on uh, <laughs> expecting this to be a uh, another chicken run moment, but... No, oh, no, right. that's all me. You're um, absolutely right. <laughs> but Daniel, because I did watch The Talented Mr. Ripley with him, and when um, Peter and Tom are standing on the boat, it was like a, a, a I care a lot moment where it was like, ah, we're, they're together. Oh, how wonderful. And it just yeah. pisses me off that that didn't happen, especially when there are those deviations from the book. Like, Peter's not involved in this kind of way. Mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett's not even in the book. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah, it was a delight yeah. to see her. I was like, oh, I wonder who she's playing. And it just turns out that she was just kind of there, so... Yeah. Um, I also loved Philip Seymour Hoffman. I thought his performance was perfect. Mm -hmm. He made me so irritated. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Love Matt Damon in those glasses. He was so fucking adorable. Okay. I know actually, thank you for reminding me of this. You have seen, (laughs) and I I feel like I know this, you do like and have seen The Little Rascals. Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) He looks like the grown up version of the douchebag child. (laughs) The douchebag. The really rich child. <laughs> Matt Damon does? In this, oh my. yeah. Yes. 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 One hundred percent yes. They are the spitting image. Yes. Yep. And the yep. same hairstyle and everything. I was like, that's just that kid grown up. <laughs> Good call to that. I love that. 
Yeah, and I also love the the Saul Bass intro. That was Chef's Kiss, amazing. It was also yeah. They also implemented a lot more. I mean, to begin with, there was none in the book, but it was like all about jazz in this world. Whereas in the mm-hmm. book, Dickie was a painter, and yeah. so that definitely felt just like a more fresh, fun, cinematic take to have all this music and like it. It adds to the environment, everything that's happening for sure. And this is something that I don't know if you picked up in the book, but there was the moment that I had this thought was when Tom was leaning in in the movie, leaning into they were on the train and he was leaning into his jacket and like smelling him. Yeah. And knowing the context of the book, my first thought was this is not I realized that this may not be like a homosexual urge. I think to me, it was sort of like he's really trying to study this man to become him but then as the movie progressed i was like oh they're really not shying away from any of this gay stuff and they're really trying to push that um so i don't know i I didn't specifically catch any moments like that in the book but it makes me almost want to revisit the book to see if there are any instances like that that i may have like missed i would like to do that as well because I mean, him being asked point blank, are you queer in the book? And him saying no, that's kind of all we got from it. Whereas Mm -hmm. this, the director just ran with it. Uh, I mean, right down to the very ending of the movie, down to my favorite line from the movie, because it was true but funny, (laughs) is when he's at the piano and he's talking to Peter and he goes, don't you just wish you could take the past and put it in a room in a basement and lock the door and never go in there? (laughs) (laughs) And he's laughing as well. But I mean, yeah, the, the subtext is just so much more than that. And I wonder if it was like a, a nod to Patricia Highsmith, who is a queer woman. I wonder if it was like, let's just be gay. Let's just be gay. Or was it that Matt Damon was like, I want an Oscar. How do I get one in the 90s? <laughs> Which he didn't win. I know this was nominated. He wasn't even nominated. He, he, oh, wasn't he wasn't nominated, sadly. Jude was. Jude was nominated. Jude was? I know. And then huh. for some other award, it might have even been that. I don't know. Kate. Blanchett was nominated and I was like oh that's so sad Gwyneth's in it way more but I didn't think it was Gwyneth's best so that's fine I'd agree there interesting Uh, I did want to bring up Ingrid Goes West because that's another really good sociopath movie (laughs) it's a perfect sociopath movie yeah and it is the the pure embodiment of do I want to be her or do I want to be with her which I think he (laughs) really (laughs) exemplifies yeah very true very true yeah. Oh, also in the movie, the ending really took me by surprise because it did not follow the book at all for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but I was waiting for him to get away with it. And then when the moment happened at the end and then the credits started rolling, I was like, oh, shit, that's it. That did very much surprise me. So I was surprised by it. I was also disappointed. Like, that was sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, And it also is it's an interesting loose end to leave because there still exists a woman who's like high up in society. The um, Kate Blanchett character who mm-hmm. knows or thinks she knows that his name is Dickie Greenleaf. So eventually she's going to be talking about how she was with Dickie Greenleaf, where it's yeah. like, I was like, push her off the boat and go be gay. Just do that. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought that was going to happen. This movie made me realize how in love I am with Kate Blanchett. She was my favorite part of Nightmare Alley. Um, mm. And just, I just love her so much. I, think I love her in Ocean's cool. 8. Yes. Yes, very yeah. much so. She's good stuff. Very much. Um, I have a couple questions for you if you feel like answering some stuff. I will do my best. There's the line, everybody should have one talent. What's yours? And I was wondering if you have an answer to that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. That's a really hard question. <laughs> you can get back to me on it. I may have to. That's okay. Yeah, I may have to. <laughs> I 
I don't often think very highly of myself, so. Then I'm just going to uh, ask people around you. Yeah, ask me. I'm going to pull. Them. I'm going to pull a Tom Ripley, and at the end, I'm going to be like, "What do you love about Jordan Saitow? Yes, yes. Do <laughs> What's it. What's so do good it. about him? And then as Nick lists all the things, I strangle him to death. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I love it. All right, um, and I have another one that I will make you answer though. Okay. So. If you were rich and in the 1950s, what country would you summer to and like live this amazing lifestyle that all these rich assholes are living? I mean, they really, really made Italy glamorous. They really did. Yeah. God, am I going to be boring and just say Italy? No, that's not boring. They really made me want to go there. Truly. It was to the point where I was like, I knew, uh, watched Luca. I watched, um, just fucking talked about it what is it called um called me by, Call your, me by name. your name yeah and all these like super beautiful super artistic cities yeah they did a really good job of making them very attractive uh definitely i might have to say italy do you have an answer to either of those questions for the the special talent one i'm, I'm gonna just plagiarize and copy what um tom said i was like i'm really good at handwriting <laughs> and i'm really good at impressions oh but i was like I, I made Daniel rewind the the impression he did of Philip Seymour Hoffman. I thought that was incredible. Insane, oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, was that him talking or was that Philip Seymour Hoffman? And it was him and it was really good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. good. Um, so those are my my two talents. Like I have perfect penmanship and like I can pull out like a an impression right away off of what somebody has said. And I'm proud of that. Interesting. Nice. I'll have to challenge that someday. Sure. That sounds fun. <laughs> Um, and then for the summering one, I'm going to be basic and say Sweden. I've already been there, but I love it. I love Sweden and Sweden. I, I want to live there. Oh, yes. And I, I want awesome. to go back so badly, <laughs> but nice. it would be cool to like live as a Swede for an extended period of time. That'd be nice. Very cool. Very, yeah. very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry. I don't have better answers for that. Nick will have an answer to the first one for sure. Of course he will. I mean, already you're pretty good at propagating plants. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I'm looking at that bad boy back there. <laughs> yes. And also, I've actually moved a lot of my propagations to like pots of soil. I was like, I'm tired of these jars of water. Um, and they're thriving. They're doing very well. So That's awesome. Uh, maybe you'd, you'd be a really good gardener. Maybe. Maybe. And then if you had to pull a Tom Ripley, maybe you'd be good at like growing poison and you'd poison people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or, you know, digging or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Please That's don't funny. say your one talent is digging holes. No. <laughs> oh man um cool cool um yeah did you have anything else you wanted to talk about uh book or movie wise um i don't know i just not really that i have like that i'm dying to like say um i enjoyed doing both of them i'm i'm happy that you didn't detest either of them and that you're like going for another book by patricia and then the movie i do feel like it was it's well made it's good but it it wasn't it was it's a little long for me yeah. And it also, it, but it did keep me on my toes because I was like, this is different. This is different. And so that's, mm -hmm. I always enjoy that. I will say it was a great adaptation though. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you there. The changes made me happy. <laughs> I did, uh, embarrassingly was kind of like all this weekend looking for your rating or review of this movie on Letterboxd. Are you I hadn't seen it before. No, no. I mean like, so after you told me that you were going to watch it, I was like kind of waiting for oh, yeah. you to post it or log it i haven't seen it yet i haven't checked it in a while but would you feel comfortable rating this movie or is it not oh something? oh yes i thought you were gonna like read something that i posted online are you like are you okay with me sharing this thing you no. posted i was like <laughs> i didn't post anything um 
Yes, let's get into like a mood. Let's pretend I'm pulling it up right now. What would I give it? <laughs> I think I would give it a three and a half or a four on Letterboxd. Um, it's it's not five material by any means. Right. Um, also was very disappointed and bleep out his name. Um, I was disappointed to discover that I picked a Miramax picture and that <laughs> was part of it. But then I was like, Courtney, you idiot. It's 1999 starring Matt Damon and Gwyneth Paltrow. Of course, he's got a fucking hand in that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was pretty bummed out. And then my review for it, I don't think I can think of anything witty right now. <laughs> Probably something like, call me by your Ripley or something like that. <laughs> love that. <laughs> call love me that. by your green leaf. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just curious to know what your rating was. I just, yeah. No, I, I did like it. And it is a well-made movie. Do you, do you know what you would give it? I struggle with this because, I, again, I feel indifferent because, you know, not very entertaining, but also very good. So meeting in the middle to me would be like a three and a half. Cool. Around there, I would say. As much as I do love like gushing about things that I love, it was nice to do this because I feel like I have a nice handle on my thoughts and my emotions. Whereas when I was on your podcast last time, I was like, promise, promising young woman. She's a woman. She's promising. I love some, look at my nails. It's so good. (laughs) And I just sounded like a fangirl that didn't know how to speak. And so now I'm just kind of like, yes, mm, let's discuss. Camus, I love him. No, you were great so, on that episode. That was that was such a blast. Yeah, I'm bummed we didn't find a new favorite, but I am I'm more than happy to do a book club with you anytime you like. I, yeah, I was gonna say like anytime you want to do this, uh, I'm game. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, because this was it was such like I would not have heard about this movie, known about this movie, known about this book, known about this author had this not happened. So, thank you a million times for that. And oh, absolutely. I say this all the time to Nick because he often when we would see movies together that, you know, after we get out of the theater, I'm like, that sucked. I did not like that. He always apologizes. And he's like, I'm sorry that I you know <laughs> took you to a movie that you hated. But I genuinely feel like even if a movie is terrible, like every movie to me is a learning experience. It's sort of like, I guess it's just kind of fun having an opinion about them and being able yeah. to talk about like why I liked things or disliked things. So even if I see a shitty movie, like it's. I'm like, I am now uh, exposed to more things and I have now learned new things. So um, yeah, like you said, wasn't like a home run, but I'm still like, I'm a changed person because of this. Like I'm <laughs> on this brand new adventure. I know this new author um, and it's been great. It's been fantastic. So thank you. I, re- I really think you'll like the Strangers on a Train book as well as the movie. I think that that might be my favorite Hitchcock movie now. And I, I saw it for the first time after reading the book this year and it was, it was great. It was very fun. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Maybe I'll read it in the car on the way uh, to our (laughs) trip. To our trip. So as uh, you're probably familiar with the past couple of guests that we've had on our podcast, uh, I prepared a few questions just kind of pick your brain about some things. What is your cat in the hat movie? This is a movie that you know is very silly, that you know the general audience may find kind of stupid, but you will defend till the day you die. A hundred percent ready for a soapbox right now. Twilight, 2008, directed Perfect. by Catherine Hardwick, based Love upon it. the novel by Stephanie Meyer, starring Kristen Stewart <laughs> and Robert Pattinson. I'd never given much thought to how I would die, but dying in the place of someone I love. <laughs> I'm ready. Like, I'll give you the whole movie right now. <laughs> I should have known that. Like, why I did not see that coming is... Yes. That's on me. <laughs> I'm wearing a Twilight shirt. I'm sitting under my Twilight poster. And it is for my generation and me and my friends and my people. And 
Um, I, I think we're going to dive into some like high school topics and you asking some of the other questions, but it's like, yeah, this was a, a major facet to my personality in high school and waiting for it to come out, going to the midnight releases of the books as well as the movies. Like it is, I will defend it so staunchly because of who it was made for and how it was made. It was an indie film that just wanted to get it right from the book, that just wanted to have fun, that cast these heartthrobs, and it just did everything it needed to do. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> were you, so before the movie was announced, were you this psyched about the book? Like, did the book capture you like? Absolutely, it did. Yeah, I was very much in love with Edward Cullen. Um <laughs> Nice. Like I said, no justice for clumsy girls, except in that franchise. I was like, oh, my God, I'm Bella. <laughs> and um, I have this ridiculous photo of myself, too, because I was like following the movie news so exclusively and just so excited for it. And I remember it was like the movie came out at the end of November. So three months prior would have been like August. There's this photo of me making a cake that says Twilight in three months. <laughs> my friend and I did we made a cake and we were like oh counting down here we go it's not even like the release you're announcing that it's coming in three months I I think we might have done it for months two and month one but I was like ready that's incredible yeah um and so it's worth defending because if you don't like it great it probably wasn't for you and I'm so so happy that you and Nick want to watch it with Kayleen and I it's just going to be such a time you're going to love it it's a perfect film (laughs) Excellent. I'm very, very stoked as well. Uh, This next question is because I am so eager to always add things to my watch list, even though I don't think in my lifetime I will ever finish it. But what is a hidden gem movie you think everyone should see, but not very many people know about? Awesome. I have two, and they may not be the most underground movies ever made, but um, I I looked on my letterbox and none of my friends had seen it, so I'm going with Beginners. Uh, wow. which I think you would love. It's a Mike Mills film from 2011 starring Ewan McGregor, Melanie Laurent, and Christopher Plummer. And it did get some attention at the Oscars for Christopher Plummer, but my goodness, is it a perfect, beautiful movie that I think you would love, especially with how much you loved other people? Yes. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Um, because it is like a parent-child relationship. There are... um gay themes and a whole plot line about that and then it's just like a love story and it's really good awesome adding it now thank you and then my other one because it came out during the pandemic and it's super slept on and it's it's something that i really think you guys should do for an episode like you really should because the more you watch it there's so much more to find and it's about like a lot of callbacks and a lot of building up upon information we saw earlier it's the kid detective starring adam brody okay yeah that's my, those are my two, and I really would love a Kid Detective Take 3 episode if someday you need to think of one to do. Wow, 2020, I've never even heard of this. It's about um, a a kid who was, like, an amazing gumshoe detective as a child and, like, solved all these great little mysteries in his town, but then he was pretty much broken by it because he couldn't solve a horrible crime that happened in his town, and now he's just, like, this curmudgeonly, like detective of the town who's like a loser and has not grown past that age but it's a lot darker than you would think but it's also hysterical and it's it's got like such a fun tone in this environment that it's set in love that yeah uh so you daniel and kayleen have all given this four and a half and five stars so that's yeah that says a lot i feel like we don't talk about tv enough i feel like tv is a i don't want to say 
just as prevalent, but maybe just as important of an art style as movies, um, especially nowadays, now that budgets are getting, you know, crazy. Uh, what is your favorite TV show? Not that it has to be a big budget TV show or anything by any means, but. Oh, that's fair. Um, I have like three I want to talk about, but I also have three honorable mentions just because I love television. Let's hear and it. And I yeah. won't. I won't talk at length about my honorable mentions, but The Office is my favorite show. I have a tattoo of it. I love it dearly. And then nice. One Tree Hill is the other half of my personality in high school. <laughs> and it's why we're going to Wilmington, North Carolina, which I yes. can't believe you and Nick get to be a part of. Like 15-year-old me would just be so happy <laughs> that I'm me- meeting friends from the internet and doing this for my birthday. We are so um, thrilled. We can't wait. Yes. And then another one that Kayleen talked about is Dexter. Um, season five is like a fucked up comfort season of television for me, but I love it. Nice. And nice. then the real one that I would like to talk about is Veronica Mars. That's my all-time favorite TV show. I'm a marshmallow. It means the world to me. And it's such a good show. And it also led me to like a lot of things in my life. Like I live in San Diego because of the show. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Her, um her school in it that she goes to for college is where I went to college. And so that played a factor in that. And it's a really good show. And if you have three seasons of television time on your hands, you should watch it. (laughs) Noted, noted. And you should not watch the fourth season. But (laughs) if I could recommend another show to you just as heavily, and also only the first three seasons, it's the show that ended today. It's Killing Eve. Like, okay, is everything out for that show now? It's totally done. It finished okay. today. Nice. Um, I cried and you've caught me on a bad day. <laughs> oh no. And I don't <laughs> want to talk about it because spoilers, but um, that season doesn't exist to me. <laughs> Same thing with Veronica Mars season four. Those two just don't exist. Oh no. So wait, season three of Killing Eve, no good? No, season three is awesome. Season four, the one that just finished. Of Killing Eve. So there's four seasons. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Yeah, season four and the whole series ended today. Um, so that's like how I started my morning with a double feature, double long episode. And um, then I cried and took an angry nap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, Killing Eve is one of the shows that I watched like the first couple episodes of the first season. And I was like, this is too good. I need to oh, good. be in a place where I can binge it all and not suffer through the off season. <laughs> yeah, the off but, season was hard. I yeah. <laughs> I last had it in April of pandemic year. So it's been two years since I've had it. Um, but that season, season three, really, it was great. I, I lived with my grandma and my uncle at the time and we watched it every week it came out and I would rewatch it constantly throughout the week. But then season one and season two, I'm glad you watched the first episode because it's like that first scene will hook you in. And it was created by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And then season two, the showrunner was Emerald Fennell, who did Promising Young Woman. And so those two seasons are dynamite. And then I also loved season three. And then season four ruined my hopes and my dreams and all of them. (laughs) I'm so sorry to hear that. That sucks. No, I'm so sorry to be saying it. I just need a platform (laughs) to say it. Um, But yeah, sorry for spoiling that aspect of it. Yeah. Nice. Would you say, I know you said you don't really want to talk about it, but would you say that season three, like if I were to end on the last episode of season three. Oh my God, end. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. 100%. But also, Jordan, today, something that every fan has wanted to have happen. It happened. And I I pressed pause. And I was like giggling and squealing and so happy. And I was like, yay. 
And then the time on the television said 12 minutes remaining of the whole series. And I was like, I could walk away right now. I could be happy. I could do this. I could leave. And I, <laughs> I took a break and I like went to the restroom and I like got a cup of water and I was like, I could stop. I could stop right now. And I fucking should have. <laughs> Um, but also, yeah, season three ends and spectacularly like it's okay. it's it's like a perfect like will they won't they cliffhanger with a beautiful song that plays and it's stunning visuals. And I, I loved it. And it was worth waiting for, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good to know. I have noted that. And I've, I genuinely that was a show that I was waiting to. I have a lot of shows like that that I'm waiting to end uh, and just be done so I could just binge it all and not have to worry about. Because I feel like you watch the first season of something, you're like, that was really good. Can't wait for the next season. And then a year goes by, you start the second season and you don't remember anything from the first season. So you have to <laughs> go back and watch the first season. And it's just like, I don't have time for that. So And there's there's a delay in everything. Um, yeah. Kayleen came up with a good term for that. She calls them open shows. <laughs> and so she likes to be like, but that's a closed show. So I love that's it. It's closed. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Um, and then I, I have one more because it's it's just one season, but I've mentioned this to you before. And if you ever feel like just jumping in for like a one season, um, it got canceled way too soon. But Sweet Vicious, it's an MTV show and it's really, yes. really good. Um, uh, the first like 10 minutes are cheesy, but it's because it was like a pilot and they were going for something. And then the rest of the show just gets so dark yet so fun. And it, it's about like really strong subject matter and themes and female friendship and all this stuff, but it's super good. Cool. And was that, did you have any others or? Oh, you've seen Fleabag. Oh yes. Oh yes. Of course. I don't need Amazing. to talk about her. Um, <laughs> and you've seen and loved sharp objects. I don't need to talk about her. <laughs> totally. Here's the thing. Yes. Here's the thing. I, it's not that I, I didn't dislike sharp objects. What happened was I started reading the book and I like, couldn't get into it, but I started watching the show I got sidetracked for some reason and then it got spoiled for me. So oh, I bummer. Didn't... Oh, I didn't know it was spoiled for you. Yeah. Okay. And I don't even remember how. I think it might have like slipped when my mom was talking about it or something. Um, but I think that is why I never revisited it. But I'm not against watching it again, knowing the spoiler, because I do love, you know, obviously I love Amy Adams very much. And I don't know how you watch it in the summertime. It's like a whole mood. What were you saying? I don't know how you feel about Amy Adams, but um, I think she's fantastic. She's the light of my life. <laughs> she's in her flop era, and I'm sad about it, but oh, no. <laughs> she's the light of my life. <laughs> Have you seen something recently that you've disliked from her? Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, that's right. Yes, I, for I yeah. forget about this. And, yeah. and Hillbilly, Hillbilly Elegy and The Woman in the Window. Those are her latest three, <laughs> and I'm so sad. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. let's not let's not dwell on the negatives. I feel like there's been a lot of uh, sad Courtney featured right now. It's okay. I, this week, photos for Disenchanted were released, and it looks so so pure and sweet. Like nice. it's photos of her and Patrick Dempsey and the little girl from the first one, all grown up. I have not actually seen the first one. Would I like it? I think so. I mean, you like Disney stuff. Like I've seen you enjoy things. How do you feel about yeah. musicals, though? I don't know about I've that. I fucking love musicals. Musicals oh, are great. 100%, yeah. Good. Then yes, cool. I think you would really like it. She's amazing in it. Like just a pure ball of sunshine. Nice. Uh final question. Uh give me a hot take that you have about a movie. Oh, I thought it was about movies in general. It's about one oh, movie specifically? No, it, it just answer the question however you prepared it. I just, yeah, in in general. 
is okay. I can tie these two together. Uh, my hot take about movies is that method acting is for losers and it's stupid and you suck if you do it. <laughs> I see. I see. And therefore, I don't like the Joker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which he's not actually. I say that as if it means all Jokers. Um, Heath Ledger. <laughs> I mean, Heath Ledger partic- partook in it as well, so it's kind of hard. But um, yeah, I as an actor myself and just like somebody who went to school for it and everything like it is called acting for a reason it's acting and there's great research you can do to embody your character but as soon as you are messing with other people or your health even or just like the integrity of the movie and the industry itself it's just like please stop (laughs) please stop and Robert Pattinson has a great quote about it where he says notice how the only people who do method acting do it when they're playing an asshole you never see them doing it for when they play a really nice guy (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Or they're just going around being nice to everybody. (laughs) Yeah. So this is like, I don't know if like asking this comes off as like, oh, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I don't mean that whatsoever. But like, are you are you against method acting as a whole? Or do you think it can be safe in some instances if you're just trying to understand a character better? I think that's a great question. And I think something like Natalie Portman training to be a ballerina to play Black Swan and also maybe doing some personal psychological work is great. And um, I know that like Brie Larson, even when she was studying for room, she like did that in solitude. She like got a hotel and stayed by herself to like dive into this character. And those things are completely okay. It's when you're on set. And um, I don't know if you've seen, I really loved the movie when I saw it for the first time, uh, Man on the Moon. Is it man and the moon? I forget what the preposition is. Man in the moon, man and the moon. <laughs> it's the Jim Carrey one. And also there's a Reese Witherspoon one called Man on the Moon. No, it's Man on the Moon. Okay. And it is Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman. And when I saw it, I was blown away. I was like, perfect movie, amazing performance. Wow, what a guy. Like, I'm so interested in this Andy Kaufman character. That's Jim Carrey's best work. And then a couple years ago, I was like, a positive thing. Netflix released a documentary called Jim and Andy, where it was like a documentary made on the set of that movie and what it was like. And I was so upset. Like Jim Carrey is just terrorizing everybody involved in the making of that movie in the name of being in character. And I just think that's ridiculous. Like keep it to yourself. You don't need to do that. Um, Yeah. And I mean, like I'm not a, a big time actor on any means and like the scale was much smaller, but even like having to work with people in like college theater who are method acting behind the scenes and say shitty things to you and treat you poorly on set. It's just like, can we not do this? Jeez. This isn't acting like save it for your performance and just have that be it. Um, yeah. So no, I'm, I'm all for research and I do love like hearing certain things about what people did. Like apparently uh, Jude Law and Matt Damon learned how to play piano and saxophone for their roles. Do something normal like that. Yes. Imagine yes. if if <laughs> Matt Damon was going around smelling Jude Law and stealing <laughs> locks of his hair. We don't need this. No, no. This is yeah. True. That's my no, that hot take. Gotcha. Gotcha. I had a blast. I hope you did as well. Of course. It's always uh, a blast. Yeah. This has been truly a life-changing story. Uh, like, I... Again, like I I don't think I ever would have known about this movie or book or even picked it up had this not happened. So and again, anytime you want to do this again, I am right there. I would I would love to like read another book and dive into something else. Just say the word. Absolutely. You as well. Maybe you pick next time. That'd be fun. That would be (laughs) fun. We could have like a little mini book movie club. That'd be great. 
I it's perfect. That. I love book clubs. <laughs> I've always wanted to be a part of one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you're welcome anytime. And I cannot believe I'm saying this. I'll see you this week. Oh my gosh. I will see you in like three days. <laughs> like less than a hundred hours. Like this wow. is uh, amazing. This is, uh, yeah. Uh, what an amazing time to be alive. Yes, I cannot wait. So <laughs> um, cool. Well, enjoy your night. Or I guess uh, maybe we should stop recording first. Bye everyone. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye, Nick. <laughs>